The opinions and statements expressed in the following program do not necessarily reflect those of WWDB, its staff, or management. Good day, everyone. Welcome again to another edition of Boomer Generation Radio. This is your host, Richard Address, coming to you from the cloudy, snowy studios of WWDB here in greater Philadelphia. And we're streaming live on WWDBAM.com. You can visit us at uh, BoomerGenerationRadio at gmail.com or go to the Boomer Generation Radio page on Facebook. And again, a reminder that our shows are podcast on www.JewishSacredAging.com if you want to hear some past shows. And after this word from our friends at Kendall, we'll be back with our first guest, Dr. Peter Lichtenberg from Wayne State University. So just stay tuned. Hi, this is Kendall staff member Sheila Sylvester. This portion of Boomer Generation Radio is brought to you by Kendall Outreach. Kendall Outreach serves the field of aging by raising public awareness of important health care issues of older adults. And it provides education and training in the development and implementation of comprehensive approaches to safe, individualized, long-term care practices. Kendall Outreach has been sharing Kendall's approach to quality care with consumers, advocates, providers, government agencies, and related organizations since 1989. To learn more, visit KendallOutreach.org. Welcome back to our first segment here on today's edition of Boomer Generation Radio. Uh, we are delighted to be joined by Dr. Peter Lichtenberg, the director for the Institute of Gerontology and a professor of psychology at Wayne State University. Dr. Lichtenberg, I hope you're there. Are you there? Good morning. I'm hi. glad to be with you. Hi. Hi. You're in Detroit, right, Wayne State? I am in Detroit. Yes, indeed. Uh, it's lovely. I was just up there Last two weeks ago in Ann Arbor doing some stuff. So uh, welcome. Welcome to Boomer Generation Radio. I appreciate it, Dr. Lichtenberg. I appreciate your time and everything, and uh, welcome to the show. And lots to talk about about your work, but there's one word that uh, I, I think I need to ask you to define, geropsychology. What is that? Yeah, geropsychology actually is uh, the newest specialty in clinical psychology, and it is uh, basically clinical psychology expertise with older adults. Ah, so in, in light of the longevity revolution and the aging of the boomers, and so perfect, perfect. Yes. And so you've done a lot of work and written a, a lot on um, the psychology of aging and issues that relate to how from what i'm reading of your of your bio and and the material that we that you sent us sort of like how i at uh let's say at age 80 or 75 or 70 make decisions and how those decisions are influenced and and if we are subject to manipulation or scams by other people am i misstating that at all no, that's definitely part of it. Um, you know, the the idea being that as the population ages, there are certain reasons to be a little bit more um, careful about knowing how decisions are made and whether they're influenced by either psychological variables and psychological vulnerability or neurocognitive variables, the loss of memory and problem-solving skills. So you did, a, according to, to this in 2013, the, the first nationally representative study on predictors of older adult scam victims. What does that mean? 
Yeah, what we did, um, there was a national survey that we were able to get a couple of questions put in about whether people would report whether they'd been the victim of fraud. And we were able to look at other variables in that survey prospectively and um, see what predicted and whether there were any patterns of who was defrauded more than others, because all of us are vulnerable mm -hmm. to being scammed. But we found that people who were both financially and psychologically vulnerable were much more likely to have been scammed. So do people change as they age on how we make decisions? And am I, am I going to make a decision at 70 different than I did when I was 35 or 40 or 50? You know, probably not a ton unless um, something is happening that's making your world smaller and you're getting more isolated and maybe struggling with loneliness and depression or you're starting to have some cognitive slippage and you're not um, solving problems as well. And the second thing that happens with cognitive slippage and cognitive impairment really is not only do you lose some of the skills, but you lose the ability to detect when there's a kind of a danger going on with a scam or so, so forth. So this goes, this from what I'm hearing, this this goes way beyond uh, just the phone scam. You know, uh, you know, somebody calls you up and says, if you give me your credit card number, you've won, you know, three months in the Bahamas with, you know, whatever, and or or the whatever these types of scams that are perpetrated all the time. Yes, and what we worry about mostly, I mean, anybody can be scammed for something once and get knocked off balance, but. You hear stories uh, on a regular basis of somebody, for example, who gets called up with a grandparent scam. Someone says, you know, my nephew, your nephew, your grandchild is in Peru and they're in jail. They hit somebody with their rental car. They really need this. An attorney got $2,500 processing fee. That's bad enough. But five days later, when they've wired over $200,000 on repeated wirings, that's what we really are worried about because these um, people who are perpetrating these kind of frauds don't let up once they get a hold of somebody who's vulnerable. They continue after them until they can get everything out of their bank accounts. And it's easy to be preyed on, isn't it? Especially through the Internet? Because um, like I, I, this seems to be a, a growing phenomenon, the Internet scam type of thing. Yeah, older adults are vulnerable to a few types of scams more so than others. As I say, anybody can be scammed, but older adults particularly are vulnerable to lottery uh, sweepstakes scams. Uh, they're also more vulnerable and, and lodge more complaints with the Federal Trade Commission for scams where people are pretending to be a government, IRS or Medicare, and asking for demanding money and um, personal identifiers immediately. And those scams have really taken in a lot of older adults. Well, we, but we shouldn't discount the drive-by scams. You know, in the neighborhoods, people do track sort of who's been widowed. They wait, you know, six, eight months, and they come by, walk up to the door, say they found something that they can repair for you cheap. Go ahead and repair it, charge you twice what they quoted, and as they say to us, if you pay it, 
without too much complaint, they know they're in, and they are going to try to get you to pay a lot more. So it, you know, these things come in all sorts of shapes and sizes. So, you know, I guess the easiest question or, or the hardest question maybe is, so how do you, how, how do you protect yourself <coughs> against these types of um, personal affronts and scams? What can yeah, a person do? There's a lot a person can do. First of all, you, you sort of have to develop some heuristics, some rules for yourself. Never um, make the decision immediately. So you need to stop and check it out with some other people. And that's the biggest one because uh, once you do, you start to get the input that, oh, that doesn't sound right. If That's too good to be true. And if it mm-hmm. sounds too good to be true, it, it usually is. It usually is. is, right. Yeah. So that's that's the biggest thing is staying connected to other people, talking about these kinds of things. And... Um, I think that what's happened in our society, though, is there's a real chill around talking about finances, especially between older adults and their children. Um, Some older people feel like if they talk about finances with their children, their children will want their finances, so they're (laughs) frightened of that. (laughs) We call that financial entitlement. It's one form of financial exploitation. Right. Um, But as a result, there's a real chill on it. Nobody talks about these kinds of things. Nobody um, says, hey, here's our plan. If, If there's something that you're concerned about, you know, it doesn't seem quite right, or it's just a request for a significant amount of money. Who are you going to talk to? What's the plan for this? Your financial planner, me, your adult child, you know, the banker. Who are you going to talk to? I think that's a key thing. Um, But I think we have to also recognize that psychological vulnerability um, means that people are, their world is getting tremendously smaller and, and they're having trouble connecting to other people probably because of uh, physical disability, maybe some myocognitive disability as well. And so, um, you know, we, we have to continue to make efforts to find those most isolated older adults and have some way of connecting with them. You know, I, go ahead. Go ahead. I also think that um, what happens, like with the sweepstakes scam, mm-hmm. you get, and you get somebody who's, you know, in their 80s who's had some undetected cognitive problems, they won't believe that this isn't the real thing. And that, that lack of awareness comes with real cognitive impairment, real cognitive change. And that's a tough thing, too. You, you mentioned something that comes up it has come up a lot in, in, in many of the shows here we've done talking about this cognitive issues and changes that, that, that could be just the naturally changing cognitive changes that happen with aging. But it's you, again at the beginning of the show you, you linked it to this sense of and you lose you use the word isolation and it comes up so much in 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 some of these conversations about this this um, 
the challenge of living alone, of being alone, of being isolated, of being cut off from other relationships, human companionship, and it seems to exacerbate this uh, cognitive decline. Could you just speak to that uh, a little bit and, and how how one can prevent that? But there's so many people living alone. Yes, there are. There really are. And, you know, the greatest group, the fastest growing group, are women over the age of 85. <clears throat> Less than 15% of them still drive a car. So right there, you've got um, a huge transition in terms of, quote-unquote, independence. Mm-hmm. And very few people um, take the next step of finding alternative transportation to keep up their activities that they were doing. And, uh, you know, we just got to keep talking to people about finding ways to connect with the community around them, Um, whether some of that is done virtually, whether some of that is done through volunteerism. uh, It's so important. And... What I have found is that there's two pathways, really, to some of these scams and other types of financial exploitation. One is this immense psychological vulnerability, where people don't feel valued. Mm -hmm. It's not just that they're um, missing others. It's that no one in their life is validating who they are and what they do as, as, as having an important role in any any part of life and we all need to know that what we do is important to somebody and who we are and so that's the first pathway these scammers are really good at creating these what seem like these wonderfully friendly relationships and and you know i understand you where your family has forgotten you that kind of thing the second pathway though is 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 usually a little bit separate and that's the cognitive impairment that's cognitive changes beyond what we would expect in normal aging Mm -hmm. and what happens is uh, when we start to have mild cognitive impairment where it's beyond what would be expected with normal aging we also start to have trouble regulating the checkbook knowing whether we paid um, all the bills correctly a lot of times what people notice is that either campaign contributions or contributions to a charity are repeated and adult children see, oh, wow, you know, you keep paying this because as soon as you send in one check, you get a request for another one. So people forget things and keep paying those. So those are the two pathways that I've I've seen um, the most in terms of how people get into financial exploitation. We're speaking with Dr. Peter Lichtenberg, the director of the Institute of Gerontology and the professor of psychology at Wayne State University about the impact of um, scams and uh, on older adults and that cognitive issues and the changes and how that impacts it uh, psychologically and, and in the real world and issues of isolation that are, that, that are associated with that. And we're going to be back with Dr. Lichtenberg right after this message from our friends over at Kendall. Hi, this is Kendall resident Harry Hammond. This portion of Boomer Generation Radio is brought to you by Kendall, a system of not-for-profit communities and services that advocates for and empowers older adults to reach their full potential. Kendall is committed to working with others as we together transform the experience of aging. To learn more about Kendall, that's K-E-N-D-A-L, visit discoverkendall.org or call toll-free 888 888- Seven five nine zero one two eight. 
Welcome back to our first segment here on Boomer Generation Radio today. We're speaking with Dr. Peter Lichtenberg, uh, the director of the Institute of Gerontology and a professor of psychology at Wayne State University. Uh, we're speaking about um, this issue of in the subject of gero psychology and the impact of um, some cognitive issues and the impact of scams on older adults and some of the challenges of that. There's a, there's a scam going around now, right? Um, you've probably seen this about from the IRS because it's tax time, about the IRS. In fact, I got an email about three weeks ago from the IRS saying that I'm in big trouble unless I called them right away and handed over everything, you know, the, all the personal information. And banks do this, too, scams about banks. Is that that's, – that's right, right? Yeah, that's absolutely correct. And those are a couple of the ones uh, where older adults are the most targeted and fall the most prey to. So the, this, this challenge of cognitive impairment that, that comes up again over and over again – I guess one of the obvious questions that you probably get asked all the time, either in class or when you and, and, and you write in your research, is, okay, so are there ways that I can prevent this? I mean, you know, we see in magazines and newspapers, if you do 27 crossword puzzles a day, you will uh, be able to push back any cognitive impairment that you may have. How much of this is true? How much of this is hype? And can you actually exercise your brain as we age uh, to prevent some of this? Okay, I'll put it two ways. You can improve your skills. So if you want to improve your memory, you can do training in memory and improve it. You want to improve problem solving, you can do training in problem solving and improve it. So you can improve your skills, but you we have no evidence yet that you can prevent cognitive decline. And uh, the group Lumosity that puts out uh, uses a lot of cognitive games just settled a $2 million penalty with the Federal Trade Commission for um, problems with the way that they portrayed their product. Hmm. So uh, the science is not there to say that this will prevent cognitive decline. We know, though, that um, you can improve your skills. So that's always a good thing. So, and what about this? Just came into my mind because uh, also I've seen people talking about this on you know TV and stuff. What about physical exercise? Does physical exercise have any impact upon? I mean, other than keeping the body limber and, and for falls, but. On, on the brain and, and how the brain functions, especially as we age? I think all cognitive neuroscientists, if you really ask them, what's the one thing people could do to keep their mind as healthy as possible? They would say physical exercise. The brain uses 20% of uh, blood flow and oxygen. And anything, uh, physical exercise that improves blood flow improves the, the usage of oxygen. So wow. Physical activity is very, very important. So I would imagine as, 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 as more older adults become more sedentary, uh, that really exacerbates the decline. It does. And uh, we, we, we have a saying, it's never too late to stop being a couch potato. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it, that, that's, that's, um, so that old canard about you can't teach an old dog new tricks is wrong, right? You can, you can teach, you can teach. Totally people. wrong. Uh, and the, and the benefits can be huge, uh, in a study of people over the age of 90 who are self-processed 
couch potatoes, they improve their strength dramatically wow. after getting into an exercise and strength program, and they improve their balance, and that's so important right. because of falls. So I want to go back to something you said before we took the a little the little break um, about people who are subject to these scams in your research in the in the work that you've done in the writing and the research that you've done. You, you use a term that somebody calls up somebody uh, and they're alone and they're isolated, and there's this human contact, even though it's somebody over the phone or maybe knocking on the door, but. That they seem to value, they get value from this. That's a, a very sad commentary, isn't it, on our society that there's so many people who are isolated and living alone that they'll almost willingly go along with something maybe in their soul they know is wrong, but they, but this provides them with some sort of human contact. There's a, there's a relationship, even though it's a bad relationship. Is this part of the dynamic? It is definitely part of the dynamic, and the Investors uh, Trust years ago did some uh, taping of people who were scamming uh, other investors, and what they and then interviewed them. Um, what they did was they established commonality. Um, interesting little experiment. If if I use a Confederate and and uh, know your birthday, and my Confederate tells you that birthday is the same as yours, you're more likely to give them a rating as a more friendly person. Mm -hmm. So any commonalities that we can establish, whether it's religious beliefs, political beliefs, things that you can find out pretty easily on internet values, um, that's how the scammer begins. They try to establish that commonality, which is what makes one of the scams a the uh, supermarket scam where an older person approaches another older person, talks to them about family, they've gotten locked out, shows them pictures of their grandkids, and then ends up stealing their money um, is one of the saddest ones because it's it's violating you know some of the very basic interpersonal ways that we relate. But that's what the, these scammers do. They want to establish those commonalities. And then, depending on how isolated the older person is, it can turn very nasty, and they will start bullying, badgering, screaming at, threatening uh, the person if they don't continue to send money and so forth. If you could summarize, um, before we start running out of time for this segment, could, could you just categorize, if it's possible, like the top, what, right now, what you see in your work and research, what are the most uh, prevalent scams that are being perpetrated on older adults? Yep, the three most, one are uh, the Jamaican lottery or other prize winnings. You've won the lottery. I mean, the movie Nebraska captures that so beautifully. <laughs> right, um, right. <laughs> That's true. It, re it really does. Yeah. And that scene in the bar where he's sort of a celebrity is sort of the point. People who need money kind of feel like they're... It's their ship may have finally come in. Right. Uh, the second one are these uh, in government imposter scams. So, uh, being an IRS representative or a um, Medicare representative and saying you owe this money and you need to pay it immediately. And um, the third one are really these calls um, for, and they vary, but some kind of 
a version of the grandparent scam where somebody some other family member is in trouble and we need you to help them send money so they can process you know um legal things and and get moving on right that, those we got emails about you know so you're, there's somebody you know, uh, it's been detained in some country and send them thousands of dollars so they can get bailed out. Yes. Which leads me, Dr. Lisenberg, to, to the use of social media, like Facebook and emails and stuff. That's becoming more popular as a means to attract uh, people, uh, people to get scammed, correct? Absolutely. Uh, scammers are do a tremendous amount of research, and they know a lot of things about individuals they're targeting. Well, how do they find because, how do they find that out? Uh, social media is one way. Another way is uh, you can buy these personal information services that give a whole history of person where they've lived, kind of what's. It, um, what some of the uh, other highlights have been in their life. But uh, social media is a big way of tapping into sort of uh, who's who and getting the right names and, you know, that kind of thing. So if there's there are people, and there may be people who listen to this now um, or on the podcast who are ad- older, you know, adult children, and they're taking care of mom or dad, and they may see some of this. What What's the best piece of advice you can give to the caregiver yeah. to, to watch out for so that mom or dad doesn't get scammed? I think people just need to talk about this before there's any crisis and talk about it more in general in terms of uh, kind of financial planning. If If there's anything that comes up financially what's the plan for that how do, who's going to be called in who might be the confidant so forth so that um everybody knows that what the scammers count on is getting this older adult alone with no one to talk to even if they have adult children they just try to corner them that way but if if people have talked and sort of prepared for these things uh, they can avoid them because they can spot them much more easily right uh the 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 last one that's going around especially for older adults is a computer repair so it works like this you get an email that says there's something wrong with your computer call this number we'll fix it for free and you call the number you give them essentially access to your computer and uh, they end up trying to take your bank numbers wow. and so forth and so on, or get you to pay a, a $300 fee as well. So wow. that one um, is easy for older adults to fall prey to because a lot of older, younger, we're not all that technically savvy, and we <laughs> think, oh, my gosh, something's really wrong here. Right. Better call them, get it fixed. Don't. So in other words, don't go give access to anybody out of the clear blue to your computer because you may never see it again. And don't believe when somebody sends you an email saying your computer is, has a virus or whatever. Right, right. We, yeah. We've been speaking with Dr. Peter Lichtenberg, a director of Institute of Gerontology and the professor of psychology at Wayne State University about this issue of uh, geropsychology and scamming and some of the things to watch out for. And I really want to thank you, Dr. Lichtenberg, for your time and, and a lot of really good information and tips. So I wish you continued good luck in your research and your teaching and thank you again for being a guest here on boomer generation radio take care thank Thank you thank you for having me thank you bye-bye 
We want to uh, bring you up to date again of a very good friend of the show, the Hecht Investment Group of uh, Johnny Montgomery Scott, which provides concierge financial consulting and planning services. Uh, the Hecht uh, Group uses a formal investment process as their foundation, and clients receive a written plan as well as very frequent communication and rapid response to inquiries. And as many of us know, there are no needs greater than our own when it comes to personal financial planning. The Hecht Investment Group provides experienced guidance and an efficient management process that is important in today's very, very volatile financial environment. Additionally, Peter Hecht and his team can assist you in connecting to Jenny's Investment Banking Department, which specializes in assisting middle market companies achieve their strategic goals. And during this year of 16, 2016, the Hecht Investment Group will continue to conduct workshops on iPhone, iPad, Social Security, personal cybersecurity, medicine, and what matters in end-of-life issues. So we invite you to contact them at toll 856 291 toll-free at 855 855- 289-2168. That's 855-289-2168. Toll free. Speak with John Connors for more information. And the Hecht Investment Group is also on Twitter, LinkedIn, and on Facebook. And Johnny Montgomery Scott is a member of the New York Stock Exchange, FINRA, and the SIPC. And as a program note, Peter Hecht will be with us in our second segment next Tuesday to really talk about the volatility in the market and how it's really impacting baby boomers and um, our whole financial um, portfolio concerns issues. So Peter will be here next next Tuesday at 10.30 a.m. So in our bridge between our first and second segments, we're going to go back probably to the 70s and a little Billy Joel. We haven't done this in a while. Miss me. 
Hi, this is Kendall staff member Sheila Sylvester. This portion of Boomer Generation Radio is brought to you by Kendall, a system of not-for-profit communities and services that advocates for and empowers older adults to reach their full potential. Kendall is committed to working with others as we together transform the experience of aging. To learn more about Kendall, that's K-E-N-D-A-L, visit discoverkendall.org or call toll-free 888 888- Seven five nine zero one two eight. Welcome back to our second segment here on today's edition of Boomer Generation Radio, coming to you from WWDBAM here in Philadelphia, AM eight sixty, streaming live on WWDBAM.com. And again, you can reach us on Boomer Generation Radio at gmail.com or like us on the Boomer Generation Radio Facebook page. And our podcast of each show will be um on www.jewishsacredaging.com. We are very, very pleased to welcome as our second segment guest, Lindsay Juris Rosner, the CEO of Wealthy.com. And um, we hope uh, one of our, our social workers, Marsha Hockman, they're calling in from New York. I hope that you are there. Lindsay, are you there? Hi, Richard. I'm here. Thanks huh. so much for having us. Great, great. Marsha, are you on? Yes, I am on. Hello, Richard. Whoa. Hi, Marsha. <laughs> Uh, so, um, this is a very interesting concept, wealthy.com, and, and Lindsay, you're the CEO of this. You start, this is your idea. It's a concierge approach to total, if I'm understanding correctly, uh, care management of an individual. So, just real briefly to start this, uh, cause there's so many things. Talk to me about why you created this and what wealthy is. Sure. Um, yeah, so Wealthy, in a nutshell, is the one company that centralizes the expertise, tools, and support needed to navigate the complexities of the system. And we're really setting out to solve the problem that managing care for loved ones is just so incredibly difficult and time-intensive. And and the business is really inspired by a personal story. Um, my mother got diagnosed with a chronic condition with multiple sclerosis when I was nine years old, 
and I've spent 26 years now managing her care and helping her with her care and over the years playing every role from caregiver to advocate, nurse to therapist. And through that experience, um, got connected with a massive number of people going through the same situation that we were. And I realized that the stress and struggles, frustration that, that we were experiencing was just not at all unique to us. And so I really set out on this journey. And now with an incredible team, we're on this journey to create a better experience for people like us. So let me let me try to personalize this. I'm in Philly. I'm I'm living outside of Philly. I have a mom or a dad uh, down there in the, uh, the 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 great area. Let's say let's just say uh, Delray Beach, and they are having some difficulties. I can't afford to go back and forth and back and forth because it's just too complex. I call you up. I go on your website, wealthy.com, W-E-L-L-T-H-Y.com. And I read that you're, if I pay you a fee, you're going to, you're going to be able to manage totally, um, uh, the care of my, my mom or my dad, even to the point, let me just get this straight, of if they move, if, they, if I have to move them into a assisted living or nursing home facility and do all the insurance issues, you're, this is one stop shopping. I pay you this fee and somebody like Marsha will be assigned to me and that'll take care of everything. Am I correct or totally off base? You're completely correct. Um, so it's, I love that Marsha's on the call because she can share her firsthand experience and we have um, a relevant recent story that um, Marsha helped us on, which is exactly the situation that you just described. Um, so just briefly before I turn it over to Marsha, the, the way that we work is that we assign a dedicated care coordinator to you to help with your mother and father. Um, the way that we think about our care coordinators is basically um, we think of them as health care or elder care project managers. And so we help you, uh, well, first we understand your goals, um, your goals for your parents and also your goals for yourself. Um, and then we understand the very specific situation. Um, and then we seek to understand your needs or up at night issues. With that information, we design um, a care plan that includes some specific ta- tasks and next steps. Um, so we make recommendations on how we think um, you know, sort of the situation should be handled, and then we go about solving things. Um, so I'll, I'll shut up and turn it over to Marsha, and she can she can explain um, exactly how it works and share a story. Um, Marsha, would you want to tell uh, Richard about David? Sure. Kind of um, so um, I was contacted by the <clears throat> healthcare coordinator at Wealthy to um, go in and sort of assess the health status and the well-being of this client's sister who had just been released from the hospital and was in a rehab facility. Um, and he very much wanted to get in a sense of how she was doing and what exactly her uh, situation was and what services she was getting in the facility. So as a social worker, the tool that we use generally is a psychosocial assessment. So I was able to go into the rehab facility, um, develop a rapport with the, with the patient, um, sort of get a sense of the current illness and the impact that it was having on her. 
um, you know, and do a full psychosocial assessment, taking a lifestyle history, doing a mental status exam, a psychiatric history, and sort of looking at her general cognitive and behavioral status, as well as the social situation that she had come from and, and, and what factors might impact where she would be moved to. And so it's, it's, it's sort of being a detective in a sense. It's looking not just at what's in the chart for the, for the client, but getting a real sense from being with them on the ground, the things that are not in the chart. Is the client bathing every day? Are they able to groom themselves? Right. Are they able to toilet themselves? And when you put those pieces together, you're able to provide a, a sort of more informed and comprehensive care and management plan. And in this case, um, it was, it was, it, it actually worked out very well having the healthy, the uh, wealthy care coordinator because it turned out that she needed to be moved to a facility in Connecticut. And it was a seamless transition. I'm a social worker in New York. I was able to go in and do an assessment on the client and do a psychosocial history, work with the wealthy healthcare coordinator, and then seamlessly transferred the case to somebody in Connecticut who was able to then pick up uh, the pieces and have her admitted to a more appropriate facility for her family situation and for her, her medical situation in Connecticut. So the, so the idea then, uh, thanks, Marcia. So the idea then, Lindsay, is that um, I can be here and just by, um, essence, for want of a better term, hiring wealthy, you'll take care of everything from beginning to end of the of, of managing care, uh, and as opposed to me having to, in essence, contract bit piece by piece by piece. Is, is that correct? That's that's correct. The analogy we sometimes use is that our care coordinator, if you think about, for example, a home building project or a wedding project, um, some people choose to work with a general contractor or a wedding planner, and that person really serves as this point of centralization, coordination, and communication across multiple constituents, and, and really that's the same role as a wealthy care coordinator. Um, what's really unique about our platform, our solution, is that we're for the first time combining um, this powerful expertise that already exists, right? So we're not, you know, what Marsha, the value Marsha brings is so rich and important, um, but we're combining that with a technology platform that enables seamless communication, document storage, and basically management of the tasks involved in the project. I'll, okay, so I have to um, I have to ask you one thing. Being, be, being computer challenged, you, you you use you keep using the word platform. So when I see sure. platform, that may mean one thing, but I think you're talking about computers. This wealthy's um, approach, if I'm understanding when I looked at the website, is this is done electronic. This is all done electronically. Uh, is that correct? Yeah. So the way that our care coordinator works with the family is, for the most part, virtually. The example that Marcia shared is an example of going into the home and doing an assessment. And, you know, for some clients of ours, that's needed and part of the 
part of the care plan. For others, we can do everything we need to do virtually. Um, so when I say platform, Richard, and I know that's a, it's one of those words that could take on a lot of meetings. In this case, what I just mean is that we are able to centralize all of this information into one website. And so if you're tech savvy and you want to log into our site, you can see the status of everything that's happening. Um, Many of our clients honestly don't log into our platform that much, and it's just used to organize everything by the care coordinator. What's beautiful about how the platform works is that every status, every message gets pushed out from the site directly to the email. And so in David's example that Marsha shared with you, um, David actually asked us to keep his assistant in the loop as well as his sisters, um, a couple of other family members. And so every single communication, every single status update was sent to four different people who were all involved in this woman's care. Okay. And so keeping, mm-hmm. yep, so, so when I talk about platform, I'm not, we're not putting any extra work on the family or individuals to be tech savvy. It's really just if you want it, it's there, and it also enables everybody to stay on the same page. Is my core care coordinator... Um, if I'm living in southern New Jersey. Is my care coordinator, when I go to you, is, is he or she local or could he or she be someplace, you know, scattered around the country? He or she, and I'll have to admit, most of our care coordinators and most of our experts are women. Um, I think 95% are women. Um, so likely she will be, um, based in another place. So we have care coordinators that are based here in our headquarters in New York City. Right. We also have care coordinators in North Carolina, um, outside of New York City and other parts of New York. And then we have a network of social workers, um, experts like Marsha, who we bring in to consult um, on very specific topics or situations. And those folks are in 30 states. So there's um, a possibility so there's a possibility that if I'm here in, in South Jersey and I needed to talk to somebody face to face you know I, I the, the the computer's fine but I, I want that personal touch that the social worker would be somewhere that we could you know sit down and have a meeting is that that's that's correct um, we do find that most people prefer to engage with us um, over email and the phone really um, some people yeah, some people do. In the you know, again, in the case of David, he really did want somebody to visit his sister to assess her health and well-being. Well, I would imagine. Uh, yeah, I would imagine the long in the long distance stuff that would be absolutely essential. So if I'm managing the care of my my parent who's living in let's say Delray, and I can't get down there a lot. Obviously, I would want somebody from your organization to make regular visits, assess them, and then let me know. That's right. And in those cases, so, you know, really the main value that our care coordinators provide is um, connecting you with cost-effective and vetted professionals, services, and resources. And so, um, yeah, if you in Delray, you wanted to have someone check in on mom on a weekly basis, um, maybe do some light house cleaning, that sort of thing, we would find you, we would present to you a couple of options of um, caregivers or caregiver agencies or solutions that we recommend. 
and um, provide those as options to you. So the the obvious question that has to come up here, um, th- this is expensive, or is it expensive? And if I wanted to, if I wanted to go on your website, wealthy dot com, w e l l t h y dot com, what? What? How much does this cost for me to do this? And um, this caregiving thing, as you know, could last you know years. Yep. Is there a time limit on this? If I pay you a hundred dollars, that 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 give me your service for six months, or how does this how does this system work? Cost wise, cost wise, because that's really sure. you know when it comes you know bottom line is somebody's going to say, gee, this sounds really great, Lindsay, but uh, just talk to me. You know, bottom line, how much is it going to cost me? Yeah, sure. So our pricing is very simple, um, and that's by design. We charge $300 per month um, or $200 if you sign up in advance for six months, and that's all-inclusive. And so I actually would push back on your comment that it is expensive. Um, you know, when you compare this price to the traditional price of hiring a local geriatric care manager, local geriatric care managers typically charge about $150 per hour, something around that. Um, so relative to a private care manager, we're actually quite cost-effective. Mm-hmm. Um, the other part of it is for many of our clients, we're saving them tremendous amounts of time and money. So we do things like contest insurance bills, negotiate with insurance companies, you know, spend time researching to find more cost-effective options. We, for very expensive drugs, um, prescription drugs that aren't, or, or treatments that aren't covered by insurance, we find financial um, aid programs that help cover the cost of those medications. And so for many of our clients, the $300 a month actually comes back to them in cost savings um, through the company. The other thing I'll just mention, um, Richard, and I think it's an important point is that there are 66 million of us, 66 million caregivers, 29% of our population that are managing care for sick, dis- disabled, or aging loved ones. And the toll that this caregiving, to your point, it can, it can um, go on for years, the toll that it takes emotionally, physically, and financially is just enormous on families, and especially that um, family informal caregiver. And so our goal is to be that point person, that support system, um, to take some of that burden off of that person. And when we do our job well and when we do it right, the main emotion that people express to us is just one of tremendous relief. And that's when we've done our job well. No, I, you, I, you, I, would also like, I would also like to just add that they can also be involved in initiating a Medicaid application process as well as dealing with uh, legal issues, setting up power of attorney and other things, which can save families tremendous amount of time and money. No, I, I having having had to do, walk that walk with, in in my own personal story with my mom. So uh, you don't. Yes, I'm fully aware of the the stresses and strains of, uh, and 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 you know half the stuff I do on the road it deals with it. So the the caregiving crisis, which it really is. Uh, is is extremely, extremely relevant right now and only going to grow as uh, our generation, as the boomers age out, you know, which leads me real fast, because before we start running out of time, the... 
how do you how how Lindsay or Marsha, how are you marketing this? And especially, I'm not a just what, what Marsha just triggered in me. Not only to the boomers, let's say, right, who may be caring for their own our own parents in in their 80s or 90s or hundreds. But really, to our children, the Gen Xers and kids in their 30s and 40s, who will be handed this, perhaps this this caregiving issue before they even know it, and are totally unprepared. Do you have a marketing strategy for like the Gen Xers to say this is going to be you in in 10 years? We do. Yep, um, we're. We're frankly in the early stages of rolling out that marketing strategy. We've the way that we've been getting our clients to date has mostly been through word of mouth, um, friends of friends. We've also made some relationships with some local hospitals. You know, the, the frankly, the state of mind that most people come to us in is one of um, is sort of a reactive state of mind. Oh, and sure. There's, sure. There's some sort of event that's occurred, right. and there's some sort of um, set of activities that need to happen. Um, and many people, to your point, are completely unprepared, overwhelmed, and come to us saying, I don't know what I don't know. I don't even know where to start. Um, so what we've learned in the – really um, deeply learned in the last year is – who these people are, um, where we can reach them kind of in their moment of need, um, and we are marketing directly to, to those folks. So, you know, that's that's exactly going to be our focus over the next six months is um, reaching more of those people. And you're right, it's the Gen Xers. It's, it's the adults who are caring for aging and sick loved ones and just are starting to wrap their head around the beast of the project that it is. Marsha, you mentioned the the ability for wealthy to also deal with insurance issues and some of the legal issues, which are a minefield and a, and a mass of, of confusion. To, and you can have a million graduate degrees, and you're still left like you know babbling in the dark, trying to figure all this stuff out. Because many of us have been there. But one of the other things I also wanted to ask you, um, you're talking about the legal, the insurance, the, um, you know, the, the day-to-day stuff like that. So as a clergy person, I, I just got to ask you this question. In your experience in working with clients, in working with wealthy, and working with your families, is there a, is there a role for the, the spiritual component in all this? Because there's a lot of spiritual issues that come up in the process of caregiving. Um. I would say yes. It it kind of gets woven in as part. If if and wealthy does a very good job of vetting their social workers. If you're a competent, skilled clinician and a good social worker, part of the psychosocial assessment will include getting some information about the client's culture, the client's religion, getting a sense of where they are feeling um, lost, where they're feeling that they would like some sort of a spiritual connection. And in the case that I recently handled, that was very much a part of it. I really? mean, we talked a lot. Yes, we mm-hmm. talked, she and I talked a lot about what her feelings were about whether she needed to be in a facility that was from a certain uh, or sponsored by a certain religious group or not, what the facility that she was in offered her in terms of, of clergy care and clergy advice. And it was a very important part of making that total psychosocial assessment. Um, 
so yes, it is it 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 is a part of the of the puzzle. Lindsay, is my fee to wealthy um, covered by insurance? That's that's a little bit of a tricky. There's a tricky answer. Yes, it is a new. There's a new Medicare reimbursement code that went into effect in January of 2015 that covers exactly what we do, Richard. And you know, for us, we didn't set out to go after getting that getting that reimbursement code. Um, for us, it was more just validation that the government recognizes, Medicare recognizes that there's a huge gap and a huge need for better care coordination, especially for people managing multiple chronic conditions. Um, so it is something we're keeping our eye on. Over time, as we grow, we will be able to tap into that code. And really our goal, you know, you pointed out that our um, price point is at $300, and that's where we are today. Um, the goal over time is to use um, technology and use business processes to be able to make wealthy um, accessible to as many people as possible. And the billing reimbursement code that Medicare offers is one way, um, one initiative of ours that we're looking at um, for going after, for being able to service more people and is have that, it be covered. Is that, comp- is that code for office visits in a... F- because I, I, I did some research on this, and one of the doctors I spoke to said it, it, this is for office visits, um, a meeting on behalf of family members. So if the, in an office, a regular office visit conversation, it, it, there's a code for that. So there is, That's the end of life for palliative No, no, no. There, oh, that, there's also on, on exactly what you're talking about for caregiving issues. So is there... Is there okay. Yeah, so the coordinated care management um, code actually does not require an in-person office visit. It actually does not even need servicing by a medical professional. Um, And so that's why our solution is perfectly well suited. There are other requirements that are a part of it. So the referring, there has to be a referring doctor. That uh, referring okay. doctor has to have an electronic health record system where um, the doctor stores the family's care plan. Um, there are also requirements around um, the week, excuse me, the monthly time spent. So there's a required 20-minute phone call um, to the family per month in order to satisfy this Um, And there are a couple of other um, smaller requirements. Those are the main requirements. We're about to run out Uh, of time. So in other words, as as, as you point out on your website, this really requires some conversation. We we just about have a minute left. So real fast, Lindsay, somebody wants to get in touch with you. What's the website? Real fast. Wealthy.com, W-E-L-L-T-H-Y. Richard, thank you so much. Lindsay Juris-Rosner, CEO of Wealthy, and Marsha Hockman, the uh, vetted social worker who is working with Wealthy. Thank you very much for being a guest here on Boomer Generation Radio. This very, very interesting concierge model of uh, total inclusive care management now available. Wealthy, W-E-L-L-T-H-Y.com. Listen, thank you very much for your time. Lots of good information. And... Um, We'll be monitoring. Listen, it's very exciting what you're trying to do. Take care to all of you. Thank you very much. Have a great Thank week. Thank you, Richard. We'll see you next week on Boomer Generation Radio here on WWDB AM 860 in Philadelphia. Take care. Have a good week.